We often have a vision for the course of our lives, and yet a large or small chance occurrence or encounter or engagement with new ideas can change our lives forever. We have invited some fascinating people from all walks of life to tell us how they reacted and found meaning in the unexpected. I'm Roberta Panjwani, and this is A Bend in the Road. Just throw your head back and spit in the wind. Let the walls crack, cause it lets the light in. Let them drag you through hell, they can't tell you to change who you are. That's all I know so far. And when the storm's out, you're running the rain. Put your sword down, dive right into the pain. Stay unfiltered loud, you'll be proud of that. Skin full of scars, that's all I know so far. We have spoken with so many different people about different kinds of bends in the road, but today we have my niece, Olivia Barkley, (laughs) and she has experienced a bend that has changed her physically, mentally, emotionally, and I wanted her to talk about that. Livy, since day one, November 24th, the year 2000, she was a joyful, curious, talented, creative, and very athletic physical child. She was a water baby. Livy got into gymnastics early on and then went into diving, and it became evident very, very soon that she had the right body type and mental acuity and technical ability to excel in this sport. At age 14, she was being offered a full ride to Division I schools and had the encouragement of all of her coaches to pursue this. She was driven, fierce, rigid. She pretty much had every single minute, (laughs) every single calorie accounted for. And then everything changed on November 29th, 2017. Livy, welcome and tell us about that day. Thank you. Yeah, so November 29th, 2017. uh, It was a Wednesday afternoon, I remember. And I was at the pool for practice. Uh, so my life was very rigid, as you said back then. <laughs> so I would wake up really early. I'd train in the morning, go to school, go to practice, stay up late doing homework over and over and over. Same thing every day. And on that day, I was just, it was the middle of the week and I was exhausted and worn down. And I was at training and I was doing a dive called a back one and a half. So it's basically a backflip uh, where you over-rotate halfway. So it's in between one backflip and two backflips. So you're ending in a dive. So any divers listening know it's not a particularly difficult dive. It's a low degree of difficulty and it's a dive I had been doing for years, but I was just so exhausted. I wasn't getting the power I needed. So I was basically under rotating the dive so that my, the back of my head was breaking the surface tension of the water. Mm -hmm. And I took about seven hits and I was telling my coaches something's wrong. I'm dizzy. I can't see, I feel nauseous, my head hurts, I need to stop. And they would say, another one, another one. You can't stop until you do it. So yeah, after about seven, I was basically, I can't see anything, I can't stand up, I need to be done. Um, So I left practice. It was probably about 9 p.m. And I was on my way home um, and I wasn't feeling okay. I kept 
my symptoms to myself for probably two weeks. I kept going to practice. I kept going to school and I was really struggling. I was really suffering and I was feeling really, really sick. And eventually I told my mom, I think I have a concussion. Something feels very wrong. So we went to the doctor. They confirmed that I had a concussion and they basically said, just rest for two weeks and you'll be fine. Two weeks pass. I'm getting worse and worse. Eventually they pulled me out of school. Um, and I was just, I was continuing to get worse. Like I wasn't feeling better at all. Nothing was improving. So I basically, I was in a lot of pain every day. I was really nauseous every day. I didn't have balance. So I was having trouble walking. I was having trouble communicating and talking because it was hard for me to process sentences. And then it was also hard for me to form sentences. Um, I wasn't functioning academically. So like not only was I not in school, but I wasn't doing any homework because I couldn't read. I couldn't think. Um, I couldn't watch TV because that was too much. So I was basically just lying in a dark room um, for about a month. And I didn't, all the doctors were telling me that I was going to get better in two weeks. And it kept getting worse. Um, so that was, that was kind of the accident. So that was the first, so the first month you were feeling like that. Yeah. Um, and then I think you had said at one point that there was part of you that you thought it would be short term, even though you had a horrible month, you really did think this was a moment of time and that you would heal. And you were saying that there was some kind of relief just for that, just a yeah. little pause in the intensity of your life. Yeah, I definitely was relieved because I did think it was short term. The doctors were telling me it was short term. I've had concussions before and it was short term. Um, and I was so relieved because I was under so much pressure, both academically, as most high school students are, um, but athletically, I was under a lot of pressure because it was my junior year of high school. Um, so this was when we had to get our reels together for diving. Coaches were reaching out to me. Coaches were trying to come watch me dive. It was basically the negotiation year where I figure out who's going to pay me the most to come dive on their team. So there's so much pressure during that time to perform. And my life was so rigid. Just having a break was such a relief. So yeah, I felt very relieved in that first month. Right. And then in January, yeah. um, uh, my my father, your yeah. grandfather, Poppy, he, you know, he was 90 years old at that time, yeah. getting very sick. And um, that time in January, he was in the hospital for a week and then in hospice for another week before he passed away. <laughs> on January 18th. And I didn't know the depth of what you were going through at that time. And it must have been so intense to absorb all of this emotion when your head and your emotional mental state was just in a whole different you know, place that we all were. Yeah. It was a really hard time because it was a time where I was supposed to be grieving and supporting my grieving family members. And anyone with a brain injury will tell you there's no capacity for any uh, any type of emotion really. So I wasn't, I was feeling very apathetic and very irritable and to my own emotions and to other people's emotions. So it was definitely a lot. It was a lot of loss going on at the same time. Um, cause I was losing my brain function and I was losing my grandfather who I was very close with. Um, but it also felt like such a blessing that the brain injury had happened because again, at that time, I didn't quite know the severity and I didn't know the extent of it. And I did think it was going to be over in a few weeks. 
Um, and I wasn't in school. So I got to spend every single day with my grandfather in the hospital and at hospice. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a gift. And still to this day, that, that feels like a gift. Right. It, for really, sure. it was for him, for sure. Yeah. So then now it's November 2018, a year after your accident. Yeah. And it's still the same, getting worse. Now you realize that this is long term. Now you have to yeah. create a new future. So basically over the course of the spring, I had just been trying to get any type of brain function back. And I had, um, after a few months, I was able to talk to people a little bit more easily. Uh, I was able to start seeing friends. I did eventually return to school. I think I was out of school from December to April. And then in April, I started going back for half days. And eventually in May, I went back full time. And I was still really sick and I was suffering. And I was not functioning at my normal capacity, but I was doing a little bit better. Um, And then the summer came and the summer was really helpful because it just gave me a mental break from school. Uh, And I had not returned to diving. The doctors hadn't cleared me. I was still seeing a neurologist every two weeks up until for, yeah, for like a year. Um, And then eventually the doctors discharged me because they were like, you should be better. I don't know why you're not better. There's nothing we can do for you besides keep prescribing you steroids, which I had wanted to stop. And so when school started in September, I was a little bit better. I was able to start my senior year of high school, but I was still really, really struggling. I was having a hard time reading, taking exams. I couldn't see everything well. I was having trouble controlling my extremities, so it was really hard for me to write. It was hard for me to cope with the the lights and the sounds of school and the crowds it was hard to be around people. So I was I was really struggling. And at that point, I had no medical care. It had been about a year. And it just felt kind of hopeless because I didn't know. Um, I didn't know if it would get better. And I had been going to different neurologists for a year at that point, And none of them had any plan to help me get better. Um, and then there was a, um, you went to occupational therapy. I did. At NYU Medical. And that was an intense program. And that was. every Monday for how many weeks or months was that? It was a, quite a few months. It was quite a few months. And uh, so your mom and your dad would take you in. And then I, I had <laughs> you the- You started taking Oh, me. we had the- I mean, there's always a silver lining. Yes. <laughs> we, had, we had such incredible times. We had this one- crazy diner that we would go to or we'd sit outside at the uh, little cafe at NYU <laughs> Medical and like have our coffee, our coffees and our salads and look yep. at the skyline. So it was such a bonding experience and fascinating for me to uh, to see what you were going through and, and the exercises that they gave you. Yeah. So that winter, we were able to get in touch with NYU Langone Medical Center and their concussion center. So I went and had a bunch of appointments with some neurologists um, and some neuropsychiatrists, a different type of doctor, but so a bunch of neurologists over there. And eventually they got me into the occupational therapy program. Uh, and so this was, this was aimed at trying to help me regain some of the brain function that I still hadn't gotten back. So it was things such as like, I couldn't, for example, I couldn't form a complete picture with my eyes. So like I could see something on the left and something on the right, but my eyes couldn't work together to form one picture. So I basically had like a big black line and then I had something happening on the left, something happening on the right. I had double vision always and I had no depth perception. So these were all some of the things that that the occupational therapist at NYU helped me with. So the exercises were 
brutal. And I would feel so sick. Like you remember, oh, yeah. I'd come out of there so <laughs> nauseous and it was really, really hard and it was really awful, but it helped a lot. It helped immensely. Um, and you were really fastidious with your... I was. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There was homework every single day. Oh, yeah. That rigidity really that, helped with that. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. did. And then, and then, Colorado. Yeah. So the whole injury had been really, really hard for me because I had this future my whole life. Like, I had this plan. I was training to be an elite athlete. I had coaches lined up offering me everything that an aspiring athlete could dream of, like... I was going to make it. I had opened the doors. I had trained since I was a little, little kid for this multiple times a day, every day. I had trained on Christmas for years. Like I had given everything for this dream and I had made it happen. And then the injury happens and all of a sudden it's ripped out from under me. And I had no idea what, where to go from there. Um, I really didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. Like college had not been about a degree for me. It had been about diving. So take diving away. I don't really know what I want. I don't really know what I'm looking for. I don't really know what I'm dreaming for. Um, so it was a, it was a massive loss for me. And it had, I had had one major dream my entire life and it was gone. And being an athlete and being an athlete at that level, like I had competed on the junior Olympic circuit for years and being an athlete at that level, it, it takes so much effort to get there and then to maintain your position there. So my entire identity is found in this, in being an athlete and being a diver in my training. Um, so take that away. Like I was really struggling. Like, I don't know what I want. I don't really have many dreams. I'm not, I don't know what I'm passionate about and I don't know who I am. Right. And so it was just this massive, massive loss. And I think during my junior and senior year of high school, I was just struggling. I really, I didn't feel like I had any purpose. So, yeah. So when I graduated, me and my dad have always loved hiking. We've always hiked together. So my dad planned this epic hiking trek in Colorado, um, so the goal was to climb. We had seven 14ers he had, he had planned out. So 14ers are mountains above 14,000 feet. Um, and coming from New York, that's really exciting because <laughs> we, we have good hiking over here, but it, we don't get, get that kind of altitude right. here. Um, so he had planned this hiking trip in Colorado, um, climbing 14ers. And yeah, the goal, we were there for seven days and in six days we climbed seven peaks. So it was really, really epic. And we had been training for months and just the training for that was really exciting. It was something you could do with your... Yeah, it was hard. It was really hard on my head. And I remember on the side of the mountain doing the exercises I had learned in occupational therapy because... Like like I said, depth perception was something I would really struggle with. And so climbing on a, a mountain... So basically what would happen is my brain would get really fatigued and then shut off the processing from one of my eyeballs. So it would only process from one eyeball as a way to um, save energy because my brain was would just fatigue and still fatigues a lot faster than that of the average person. Right. Um, so I would have no depth perception. So climbing, eventually your brain gets fatigued because it does take a lot of concentration. And so I would lose my depth perception. Um and so I remember doing exercises on the side of the mountain, trying to like 
turn my eye back on pretty much. So it was hard on my, it was, it was hard, but it was really, really exciting because it was something I was doing and it was something that I was doing, even though it was hard. So the training for this was exciting because it was like, oh, like I'm training for something again. And that was this part of myself that for almost two years at this point had been missing. Right. And that is so central to my identity and my well-being. Um, And so on this trip, we were we were climbing and (laughs) my dad is very athletic and he's a talented athlete, but I hope he well, he'll probably hear this. Is he listening? Is he listening? <laughs> <laughs> no, he did great on that trip. It was f- so much fun to climb with him. But I would be climbing ahead of him. <laughs> um, and we would go on these climbs that lasted like six to eight hours probably. And as time went on, like my body would thrive. Like I did really well um, enduring for long mm-hmm. periods of time. And so gymnastics and diving are so different because it's so technical um, and it's all about chasing perfection and looking pretty and being perfect in these tiny moments. And this was something so opposite. It was gritty and it was how long can you endure? And I was really good at it and I didn't know that I was. Um, And then it was kind of, it just opened up this world of sports, climbing, running, running. well, not just running, then you get into the ultra marathon, which is defined as any foot race over the traditional 26 mile marathon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this, this trip opened me up to the ultra marathon world. And so that was so exciting because it's like I, in gymnastics and diving, it was kind of like, like my peak was a teenager and the goal was NCAA division one. And then potentially a couple years professional after that, but probably not. And then you're done. Right. And this was exciting because it was like your whole life you can be chasing the sport and training for it um, and taking part in it. So it just it opened up my world. And it was like this new thing I didn't know I was good at. I didn't know it existed. And all of a sudden it was like, like wow, my body is really, really good at moving up mountains for long periods of time. And as I came to learn for running for long periods right. of time. And you said what, what you didn't have to do in speed, you could do in endurance. So yeah. it's a different kind of It's super different. Right. Unless you're like an elite ultra marathon right. runner, then th- those guys are incredible. Right, right. Um, but I'm not very talented at it. I can just go for a really long time. Uh, so yeah, what I'm not capable of chasing in speed, I chase in, in distance. Right. <laughs> and, and now you've said like, you were between COVID and your injury and life in general, you can't plan anymore in the way you used to, right? <laughs> no. So like, just what do I do now? Like, so now you're kind of going, you know, day to time, you're going to be a senior I am. in a couple of months. So yeah. as much as you can, can you s- sketch out the next couple of months or years for us as you think it might pan out? Yeah. I mean, so I work, I have three jobs and I am a swimmer and I do compete in ultra marathons. Um, so the next few months and years will be just finishing my degree working. I just qualified for, uh, age group nationals and swimming. So I'm going to be training for nationals. Um, I have a 50 K coming up in April, so I'm training for that. So it's a lot of training working after I graduate. I don't really know. Um, and the type of work you're doing that you also did a lot during the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So during the pandemic, I interned for my mom, who is a human rights attorney. She does immigration law. Um, and her organization ended up hiring me. So now I work as an advocate. Um, so I basically respond to, uh, 
I guess it's like a text line. So it's like an alternative to calling a hotline. And we work with people who've survived domestic or sexual violence or human trafficking survivors or immigrants um, who need help getting asylum. Um, So I basically respond to that text line and kind of help people who who come to us with their next steps and connecting them to the right people. and then I work for another job, and that's also a resource, a resource center for survivors of sexual and domestic violence. So, I know you love working with children so much. I and, do. and when I think of you, like you're so excited about traveling and working abroad yeah. and working with refugees and, and yeah. children. And so it's international relations and social work. Yep. Right? That's the goal. And, and that, like, that could open up so many positions you don't even know about yeah. right now, right? I'm Just, really excited. Yeah, so fun. you asked how I plan. Like <laughs> after after all of this, I had such a plan for my whole entire life and it all was taken away. So now I still plan and I still dream and I do I do have I have some loose plans, <laughs> but I try not to get attached to any of my plans right. anymore. So I have some dreams for what I want to be doing, but we'll see. I'm not I'm open to change. <laughs> And you're always so like you've you've never lost your humor throughout all of this. Like I am telling you, you are just you've got this contagious laugh, and, Aww, and it's you. just I don't know. It just keeps us all going and keeps perspective. And and something I just realized the other night when we were talking about this, uh, you said in the fall of 2017 you had prayed for humility yeah. because you were winning constantly and you're kind of digging <laughs> yourself a little too much and. Um, and you said, I'm not supposed to have an ego this size at, at this age. Like, this is crazy. So uh, so you prayed to God and you're praying for uh, for humility. And literally the next week you had the accident. Yeah. So my question now is, <laughs> what do you pray for now? Now I still ask God to keep me humble, but I ask God to humble me gently because <laughs> I can't do all that again. <laughs> Libby, thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. We'll be following. <laughs> okay. Cover me so you shine, shower me with good times. Tell me that the world's been spinning since the beginning, so everything will be alright. Cover me in sunshine. Thank you for listening to A Bend in the Road. We are so glad you stopped by. Please consider subscribing and sharing with friends. A Bend in the Road from the Ridgewood Public Library was made possible by a grant from the New Jersey Council for the Humanities, a state partner of the National Endowment for the Humanities. A Bend in the Road is written, hosted, and produced by Roberta Punjwani and created by Roberta Punjwani and Diane Sims. Our assistant producer is me, Elias Rosner. Our technical directors and audio engineers are Charles Gallo and Elias Rosner. Our editor is Elias Rosner. Our digital media producers are Sabrina Garcia and Elias Rosner. Original music is written and performed by Diane Sims. Consulting for this episode done by Diane Sims. Additional consultation from Nancy Carswell and Andrea Pantuani. Thanks to our guest Olivia Barkley for sharing her story, and yes, for singing for us today. All I Know So Far is written by Alicia Moore, Benji Pasek, and Justin Paul. And Cover Me in Sunshine is written by Maureen Ann McDonald and Amy Rose Allen. That's it for today. We hope you enjoyed our show. We'll see you again after the next Bend in the Road.